Welcome to the TBN UK podcast. In this series, you can hear some of the interviews from TBN Meets, where faith meets culture. Hear from Christian ministries, innovators, authors, artists, and creators. Enjoy. Hi, TBN family, and welcome to TBN Meets. Today, I am joined by Paul Belosh. He is a worship pastor, singer, songwriter, and founder of Lead Worship. Paul has written hundreds of worship songs that are sung by thousands of churches each week, which have become congregational favorites throughout the world. Paul, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you doing? Thanks. Good, Emily. Good, good. So I'm sure most of our viewers will be familiar with you. I'm sure they've sung your songs on a Sunday and also seen you on the channel before. But for those um, people who don't know about you, can you just share with us, you know, your testimony of how you came to faith and then started your career in music? Sure, sure. Um, I've never, you know, it wasn't a career path per se. You know, I grew up uh, just outside of Philadelphia in the U.S. and um, was raised in a sincere Catholic home. And, you know, we were pretty much, our lives re revolved around the church, which was just a few blocks away. And I was an altar boy, went to Catholic school and all that. So I really had a foundation, at least, uh, and an appreciation for like the mystery of God, the, how to reverence for God, you know. But in my high school years, kind of, kind of that waned and I got into music and was in a bunch of rock bands and we practiced in our parents' basement so loud and <laughs> did a bunch of classic rock and then we played the Jersey Shore as it's called um, which is you know basically like clubs along the Jersey Shore and everybody you know we all thought we'd be the next Bruce Springsteen you know because Bruce was like he's the guy you know he's the New Jersey that Philadelphia thing and um, anyway but I also became very disillusioned that that particular year, I was 19 and playing all summer there and at uh, this club and the guys in the band were doing drugs and I don't know, I was just very disillusioned. And toward the end of that summer, um, I, f I just I, I just was calling out in my heart. I didn't even realize it, but I re started running into some people that talked about Jesus mm. like he was real. And that was fascinating to me, right? Yeah. Just like, huh. And they would read the Bible and they would talk about the Lord, you know, and that was so foreign to me. and. Uh, it wasn't long after that, within a few months, that I went to a meeting with them and, you know, heard the gospel, heard some testimonies and, man, gave my heart to the Lord and my life was changed. I came back from a weekend just, you know, for me. So for some, it's like a, a season or they go through a time where, you know, they come to faith. But to me, it, it was a moment. And, um, wow, I was just like, Jesus is real. Like, yeah. I didn't even have the words to explain to my kids or mm -hmm. not my kids, sorry, my friends. Mm -hmm. I do have kids now, but <laughs> I didn't yet. And uh, so then, then I thought, well, I have to give up music. And then I found Christian music. Like I'd never heard this, but it was like on an AM radio station and it was like good music about God. Mm. And I thought, man, that's so cool. Like, how do you do that? Where, who's doing that? And, um, so I ended up moving to California. I was just a young single guy and I went to a music school and I met some Christian artists and God just opened doors and I started playing guitar for a few of them wow. and like mowing their lawn and just kind of helping them out. Like I would just hang out at their house on weekends and, uh, but I also got to play and got a lot of experience. Then we moved to Muscle Shoals, Alabama mm -hmm. and I played with Lenny LeBlanc um, and other people and Muscle Shoals is a big music town as well. And uh, yeah, so and then eventually back to Jersey, got married. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> and then we ended up in Texas to go work with um, Keith Green's ministry. Yeah. So Keith and Melody Green. Now, mm -hmm. Keith had already died in the plane crash, yeah. but the ministry was still going strong. And we lived across the street from Melody Green in this, you know, 
big ranch land, you know, and we lived in a mobile home. If you know what that is, it's yeah. like a cardboard house, basically. <laughs> and that's where the Lord really began to, um, you know, I sort of went from being a guitar player to the, the local church there where everybody would go on, on Sundays and gather. Little by little, the pastor would say, Paul, why don't you lead us in a few songs? And one thing led to another. He just sort of said, Paul, well, you need to do this. You need to maybe put a team together and just see what the Lord does, you know? And yeah. So that was the beginnings for me. And we ended up staying 26 years and having three kids and, you know, raising them all there in Texas. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the short yeah. version, believe oh, it or not. Great. But uh, <laughs> So then how did you go from, you know, uh, leading worship in those small groups to then really songwriting and releasing these songs and these worship songs that so many of us sing around the world? Right. Again, very kind of unintentional mm. in a sense, because uh, as I was just playing guitar for on the little worship team there, it wasn't a mega church, um, but like there was a YWAM school. Anyway, we all met there on Sundays and there was a keyboard player and him and I had a good, like we hit it off. He was really good keyboards and uh, we started jamming and we started saying, hey, let's meet on Tuesday. Hey, let's meet on Thursday. Hey, let's. And so we finally decided, why don't we, uh, we got a loan and we got a reel to reel recorder and we said, let's meet at the church a couple times a week and let's write songs for our church. I mean, I had no, there wasn't even a thought in my mind of like Nashville or doing a CD and I didn't even think about that. It was the excitement of trying to write songs that our church could sing. Yeah. our church of maybe four or 500 people. Mm. And um, that was exciting to take like pastor's sermon from the week before or, or to show up and there, maybe there was a Bible verse that spoke to him that morning. It was like, all right, let's write a song on that. Yeah. And so we just did that time after time after time. And then um, one time a, a guy from Integrity Music was coming, coming through town, spoke at our church, heard me do one of those songs, said, do you have any more? And was like, uh, well, yeah, here's like 50 more. <laughs> and so he was like, wow, okay. And within a few months they, called and said, would you like to do a live worship album? Wow. And uh, would you like to kind of be a writer for us? And, and these were the days of like Ron Canoli, like we were writing worship songs for Ron Canoli and for Don Moen. And it was so fun. It was just fun to like, just go to the church and open up our Bibles and make some coffee and then just pray. And we, you know, he has an idea. I had an idea and we wrote hundreds of songs. And wow demoed them for years. And then, you know, a lot of songs weren't very good, but thankfully there were some that somehow made their way into the hearts of people around the world, you know? Wow. So jumping to now, you've written 14 albums. Which one stands out for you? Ah, <laughs> so, you know, that is a trick question because each album, gosh, so, if you just name one, every one, when I think about it, so much like heart and soul went into that. Uh, so much, uh, so much uh, like backstory of where I was in my life, let's say, what season of life when our kids were babies or my kids were in middle school or, you know, so everyone like if I had 14 kids, it would be almost answering yeah. that. It'd be like, which is your favorite? Well, you know, so I know I'm dodging the question. <laughs> I really like, I think maybe my favorite, you know, like The Same Love, it was called mm -hmm. The Same Love. I love that particular song and that album. Uh, but, but then again, yeah, they all are very special to yeah, me. That's, that's a good answer. That's yeah. a good answer. It would be hard to choose, right, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> and what for you has been um, a standout moment in your career? You know, looking back, what for you has been something that you thought, you know, you just think to yourself, wow, 
God, I can't believe you've taken me to this place. Have you got one of those moments? I'm really putting you on the spot here today. So. Well, Sorry. no, because it's also like categories. You right. know, there's, there are certain like spiritual moments that yeah. were like spiritual highs of uh, like, for the first thing comes to mind, like in India, when I've toured there and you're doing outdoor events and there's, you know, 15,000 people of, of uh, and India is like being on another planet in some ways, right? It's just such a unique country and so so different, say, than North America. And just the people are just beautiful and fascinating and just to see God move in those situations. Mm-hmm. But I also got to throw in, you know, on a, a real highlight for me was twice getting to play at the Royal Albert Hall, yeah. you know, since we're in London. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the quintessential yeah. venue, if you will. And I just remember thinking, well, I'm just a kid from Jersey, you know, like Philadelphia. I'm just a blue collar kid. What am I doing here <laughs> in the Royal Albert Hall? So that was, you know, I just remember saying to my wife, well, it's all downhill from here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you know? And looking, um, looking back as well of the many years you've been in the music industry, what have been some of the biggest changes you've seen um, in Christian music and Christian worship music? Uh, I guess one of many is just the amount of songs. Mm. There is just so much music. Like, think yeah. about it. There's more worship songs being written and recorded mm. and put out th- th- in the history of the world. Mm. Like, isn't that fascinating? I find that fascinating that so many local churches are now doing, you know, writing their own songs, doing their own projects. Um, Oh, gosh, you know, it just exponentially has increased mm. in the last 10 or 20 years. So yeah. I find that actually healthy. I think mm. that's beautiful that, uh, you know, we're not just relying on just a handful of songwriters, but that churches are discovering that, hey, within our midst, let's let's give place for the creatives mm. in our community and let's let, let the creatives come alive. And let's. Uh, so I think that's a really positive thing. Mm, that is good. So tell me about lead worship. How did you start this up and what did you want to achieve in doing it? Lead Worship, leadworship.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back when, at the very beginning of the World Wide Web <laughs> internet, right? So like mid nineties, um, I was doing a lot of teaching um, at different schools or conferences. I sort of got pegged as the guy like, oh, have Balash come out and he'll do guitar classes or mm-hmm. songwriting or this or that. and then. I would I realized that, oh man, we only have such a short time. I wish I could create like a video that I could leave with you. Here's two hours on songwriting or here's yeah. two hours on guitar, you know? So I did maybe 10 classes, one on music theory made easy, one on leading worship, like how I think about putting a set list together, uh, you know, how to prepare your heart, how to prepare your band, et cetera. I mean, just a whole library, if you will, of, of uh, practical and spiritual sort of master classes, if you will, um, that would help those that lead worship, you know, that would, those that lead worship, which, uh, so then along came the internet, we had that name, and then we put all those things on, uh, they were available, now they're all available on our YouTube channel, just lead worship, or just Paul Velas, if you go to YouTube, and all that stuff's just for free, so, um, I have, some of them I might have a mullet, you know? So if you can get past the mullet, you know, a G chord is still a G chord and a yep. D chord is still a D chord. So. What a valuable tool though for worship leaders to kind of access. Um, that's really great. And how have you seen, have, you know, is that around the world, I'm sure that's just helped so many people, just helping them have that training 
in worship leading and putting song lists together and choosing songs. Exactly. I can't even tell you. I mean, it almost brings tears to my eyes. I will call my wife almost after every event now that I do these days. There's at least a handful of, of guys or, or, or gal, you know, that will come up uh, after the event just to say hi. And they'll say, uh, most recently, a brother from Chennai, India. Mm -hmm. And he said, brother, you know, six years ago, I went to a workshop that you did in Chennai, India. And I got all your DVDs and I learned how to play guitar wow. and I learned this. And now I'm a worship pastor in outside of Seattle somewhere, wow. you know, and I'm just, like, I just hear that over and over again in different, you know, different uh, ways of saying the same thing that somehow they, they were encouraged and helped along by these teachings. So that's, again, it's, um, it blows my mind and it's so encouraging. I tell my wife because I'll say, remember when we were doing those videos, there was a part of me that felt like, how presumptuous of me to feel like, who am I? Like somebody else should be doing this because I'm just a guy at a little church here. But there was something in me that thought, well, what if, you know, the things I'm learning, the things I'm processing, maybe, maybe we just pass it on and say, hey, try this, you know, maybe this will help. And so just really amazing to see and hear some of the feedback after all these years. So good. And you've recently released another single, which mm -hmm. is Behold Him. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about this song? Yes, uh, Behold Him, um, sort of born out of the scripture, out of the Psalm, um, Be Still and Know That I Am God. And just when you think about that, when you think about our culture and what a fast-paced society we live in, everything is just so, life is just flying by. We, we take in more information in one day than our grandparents did in a year. Wow. probably, you know, yeah. like literally. So, yeah, kind of the chorus, the call of, of course, first is to magnify and glorify Jesus. But, but the word behold to me is a really special word, you know. It's not like, oh, look, or hey, take a quick glance. But it's like to behold something, you know, like to, 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 to look at maybe the Alps would be like in nature, you know, and you just take a moment and breathe that in, and body, soul, mind, and spirit. You're just like, wow. So to, to take to, oh, be still and behold him. So it was co-written with uh, my friend Mitch Wong, who lives in Australia. He, um, and then I had my friend Kim Walker-Smith sing on it with mm -hmm. me. So Kim Walker-Smith, like anything, anything she sings on yeah. is just amazing to me. Mm -hmm. So it was such a gift to have her on this song. Wow, that's so great. And, you know, with the songwriting process, how long does it take you to write a song like that? Is it something you do kind of in one sitting or is it a song that you'll keep going back to over a few months until it's really perfected or? Like the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's all that. Some, it's you basically have to just keep showing up. Mm. You have to show up every day or, you know, as often as you can, you, you show up in a sense with a, with your ideas, I collect a lot of ideas on my phone or in my journal. Maybe you pick up someone at a prayer meeting, they say a certain phrase and you go, oh wow, that's something we should sing. That's, that's mm -hmm. a great idea. Oh. Or you're listening to a sermon and you go, oh man, that is, that's a powerful concept. That's an idea that, so then I'll ponder those. And so some will take maybe weeks and months in terms of not every day, but you know, you're, you're chewing on, chewing the cud, as they say, like a cow would just um, but then other songs sometimes just f feel like they just kind of fall out of the sky. And actually, uh, so like your name, your name, for example, just, we were just singing scripture. We were reading scripture 
that song came probably in 30 minutes, almost the entire song. Um, Open the eyes of my heart, kind of that way. Uh, Behold Him is one of those songs for me. It was surprising just how quickly it went from beginning to finished. And oftentimes that's a sign to me that I didn't even have a chance to try to be clever, like to yeah. try to use your, your, your craft, if you will. It's just sort of, you're just catching it. It's like falling from heaven. You're like, well, I got it, got it. All right, God, got it. I'll deliver this. Yeah. I'm gonna, I feel like the delivery, you know, oftentimes as a songwriter, you feel like you're just like, you're, you're delivering, you get this thing from God and you just say, here, church, here's a new prayer you can mm-hmm. sing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really how I picture the best worship songs feel like you're singing a prayer to the Lord, you know? That's really what I'm after. When a song's getting near the end, I ask myself, does this feel like a sincere prayer? When I, when I put a melody to this, does it feel like something that I would pray, you know, with authenticity, you know, sincerity? And if it doesn't pass that test, then I'm like, ah, okay, we gotta work on some things here. Mm, that's so good. And even the process you were saying, that's so, useful I'm sure to other you know worship leaders or songwriters that are watching just that you know sometimes it might be uh, a phrase that you hear in church or while you're driving in your car God will speak to you and it is it's just writing those down um, and then that process of you know making a song and creating a song yeah yeah it's so good so the song Behold Him this is the single that you've released but Mm Next year, album, are we looking forward yeah. to the album next year? Yeah, like in yeah. six weeks, we release a whole wow. album and the album will also be called Behold mm-hmm. Him, but it also uh, will contain 11 other songs, mm-hmm. brand new songs and a lot of co-writes with, uh, you know, your viewers might be familiar with Matt Redman and Brenton Brown mm-hmm. um, and Jason Ingram and uh, the guys at Elevation, you know, Stephen yeah. Furtick, we co-wrote a, a song together and Chris Brown. So, you know, I'm not trying to drop names, but I just feel like the Lord arranges these yeah. opportunities to, you'll meet with someone and go, hey, we, we should maybe get together and see if the Lord drops a song in our hearts, you know? Yeah. And so you get together and you make some coffee and, and he says, well, I have an idea I'm working on. And then before you know it's four hours later, you, you both turn around and go, wow, this yeah. feels like, this feels like something we could sing in church. So, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And is the you know, you're talking about the song, Behold Him, it's focusing on being still. Yeah. Um, is that the same themes for the album? I don't know if it's a theme for the whole album because to me, an album should be more like a buffet. Right. You know, <laughs> like, like it's not just a steak place or an Italian restaurant or, you know, a Thai food. To me, an album should feel like you walked into a food court. <laughs> I've never thought of it this way. So that's brand new. That's a brand new analogy. But literally, like an album should feel like you walked into a food court and you have, oh, we've got a little of this. We've got a little bit of that. We've got an up-tempo praise song, rejoicing. We've got a song that's going to make me want to get on my knees and just say, Lord, you are holy. You are worthy. Now, here's another song that feels like a like an intimate, simple Wednesday night prayer meeting kind of a song, you know? Mm. So I'm always looking for the balance on an album. I'm looking for a, a, a balance uh, on the entire project so that, uh, yeah, you just kind of go on a journey and you go sort of up and down the hills and into some different places. And so it's not just one style the no, whole that's time. That's good, that's good, yeah. that's great. So at the end of this episode, Paul, you're gonna be playing Behold Him For Us. Okay. Um, and 
Thank you so much for coming in and just sharing with us your heart about you know, your music and the career you've had this far. And I'm sure there's so much more that our viewers will also really look forward to seeing from you. And as Paul and I have said, we'll be playing out this episode with Behold Him. Until next time on TVN Meets, goodbye. Before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold Him, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring Lion. Oh, be still and behold Him. Dine with sinners and saints, heal the blind, the lost, and the lame. Even now, He is in our midst. Behold Him, He who chose a criminal's end, paid with blood to settle our debt. As he rose to life
At TBN UK, we want the gospel to be in as many homes in this country as possible. And you can partner with us in this mission by praying, sharing or giving. For more information, visit tbnuk.org slash partnership. And remember, you can watch us on TBN UK on Freeview 65 or Sky 582.